You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. It's so easy to get distracted, to get seduced, to get derailed from our relationship with Jesus, right? No wonder the writer of Proverbs urged us to tether ourselves to the truth of God's Word. He told us, tether yourself to God's Word. Bind it around your neck is what Proverbs says. Because some of us need a leash. We need a leash. Because if we don't, we'll end up like Peter and the guys back in our old habits. Does your life ever feel so heavy or confusing that you just can't see a way out of it all? The good news for you today is that God loves you so much that He sent His only Son to die for you so that you'd have a hope and a future. On top of that, He also has given us the Bible so we have a manual to live life by. In today's message, Pastor Dan reminds us of this amazing reality that you're not on this earth by yourself. God has given you His Word and amazing people to do life with. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 1. As he begins his message, the Holy Spirit empowers us. I'll ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be, and then we'll pray. Father, thank you for meeting us here, sharing yourself with us the way that you do, and in the person of the Holy Spirit, being with us 24-7, the person of God, guiding us and leading us, and helping us become more like Christ. I pray that as we get into the scriptures, that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be stimulated, that we'll be ignited, and Lord, that we'll be transformed. And that you and your Holy Spirit would leave its fingerprints all over us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, guys, in 2004, the day after Christmas, December 26th, there was a 9.2 earthquake under the Indian Ocean. Some of you remember that. The entire earth vibrated for almost 10 minutes. And it moved the entire globe a quarter inch off of its access. The earthquake caused a tsunami, if you remember, a tidal wave that was over nine stories high that hit the coast of Indonesia, killing 230,000 people. 230,000 people went into eternity that day just like that. The damage, of course, was catastrophic. And from that particular day, scientists have never been more committed to developing and establishing this. It's called an EWS, an early warning system. An early warning system forecasts and signals impending disturbances or disasters, providing time for preparation so that it can mim- minimize as many casualties as possible. That's the early warning system. Well, guys, there is something coming that is even more catastrophic than the tsunami of 2004. It's called the end of days, the wrath of the Lamb, the tribulation, 
the great time of judgment, the final seven years of human history. An apocalyptic event when the powers of sin, of hell, of heaven, and of Satan will be released. Sixty of the 66 books in the Bible describe the event in many ways. They describe it just being terrible, horrific. In fact, Jesus himself warned us about it. In Matthew chapter 24, here's Jesus' own description, and here's what he said. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, but then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen in the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Wow, right? Now, just a few days after Jesus had given that warning, had given that sermon on end times, Jesus told his followers that he was going to leave. So he gives that apocalyptic, end-time, prophetic message or sermon And then he follows it up by telling his followers that he was going to leave. And where he was going, they could not come. Well, where are you going? Well, Jesus was talking about death, burial, resurrection, and then an ascension to the Father. And where I'm going, you can't come. But Jesus promised that he would come again to catch them away before the chaos of that apocalyptic event. In fact, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, and starting with verse 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He starts with that because he just told them about apocalyptic events and then telling them, I'm going to go away. Then he says, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, after this statement, Jesus asked his followers to do something. He said, I'm going to ask you to occupy yourself with three things until I return. So Jesus tells them, hey, listen, guys, I just want, I want you to know these apocalyptic events are going to take place. I'm going to go, but I don't want you to be troubled because I'm going to come back for you and I'm going to take you to be with me where I am and there we will be forever with the Lord. He says, but until that day happens, I want you to do three things. And the first one is this, draw near to God. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And here's what it says. And being assembled together with them, Jesus is with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So here's the thing. Jesus has died. He was buried. He resurrected on the third day. He spends 40 days with his disciples as a resurrected Savior. And then he's with them. And he tells them this thing. Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem. Jesus insisted that they stay in Jerusalem. That they stay in the upper room. That they stay in church, is what he said. See, sometime after Jesus' resurrection, Peter kind of backslid, if you remember the story. 
He returned to his old lifestyle and convinced six other disciples to join him. So, you know, Jesus died. He's buried. Peter freaks out and says, you know what? Let's just, just go back to our old life, to the fishing. And he convinces six of the guys to go back to that, forgetting about all that Jesus taught them and all that Jesus had commissioned them. And he, he goes back. He returns to his old lifestyle. I mean, guys, it's so easy to get distracted, to get seduced, to get derailed from our relationship with Jesus, right? No wonder the writer of Proverbs urged us to tether ourselves to the truth of God's Word. He told us, tether yourself to God's Word. Bind it around your neck is what Proverbs says. Because some of us need a leash. We need a leash. Because if we don't, we'll end up like Peter and the guys back in our old habits, back in our old behaviors, and back in our bad attitudes. Running buck wild, right? So Jesus, you know, after Peter and the guys were doing that, Jesus found them in Galilee. He goes over by the shore where they're doing their old stuff again. And he stands there at the, at the seashore, and then he calls out to them, Hey, have you caught any fish? And no, they had toiled all night and hadn't caught anything. And so, you know, Peter says, no. See, when you go back to that old lifestyle, it's so unsatisfying anymore. I mean, you, you know, you, you might go back, but it just doesn't do it for you. But Jesus came back to get them. And Jesus led them back to Jerusalem. And that, that's when he commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. Stay in the upper room. Stay in church. You know, one of the Old Testament, uh, I should say, one of the New Testament pastors echoed Jesus' commands. Um, you know, here's what he said to his congregation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He said, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And let us stir up one another to love and good works. Read this part out loud with me. And don't stop attending church, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, especially now that you see Jesus is about to return. So Jesus told him, stay in Jerusalem, stay in the upper room, stay at church. This pastor said, told his congregation the same thing. Jesus is coming back, so stay in church. Don't drift, don't run buck wild. Draw near to God. Now, the next thing Jesus wants us to do until he returns, I told you there were three things. The first one is draw near to God. Here's the second one. Be filled with the Spirit. Let's continue to read there in Acts chapter 1, again from verse 4. And being assembled together there in Jerusalem with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I like it, don't you? So Jesus says, here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you, number one, stay in church. Stay drawn near to me. Stay close to me. And then he says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus explained that he wants us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. He wants us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And guys, this is not a one-time experience 
but a permanent condition. I'm going to say that again because that's pretty important. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus desires for us, is not a one-time experience, but a permanent condition. Jesus wants us to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit until He returns. Uh, having a life of power, a life of purity, a life of confidence, a life of courage, a life of boldness, a life of utterance, a life of miracles, a life of wisdom. Jesus wants us to live that kind of life until He comes back. I like to call it a Holy Spirit intoxicated life. In fact, Paul explained it like this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. And always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you know you're intoxicated when you swerve to miss a tree and then you realize that it was the air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror. Paul says, you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit when He influences everything about you. The thoughts that you think, the conversations that you have, the songs that you sing, the friends that you keep, and the habits that you develop. Should I say that again? Paul knows that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that He will influence, the Holy Spirit will influence everything about you. The thoughts you think, the conversations you have, the songs you sing, the friends you keep, and the habits you develop. See, the Holy Spirit will empower you to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Praise God, right? In fact, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says it like this. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under condemnation. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if, I'm going to pause there and say, if you are practicing any of those things listed above, you should feel condemned because you're not walking in the Spirit. But, it goes on, the fruit of the Spirit, when you are walking by the power of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering 
and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, and it's Holy Spirit intoxicated life. It will be seen. If you're acting out in the lusts of your flesh, then you realize you're really not allowing yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. But if you begin to see fruits that are from the Holy Spirit, and they give us that list, then you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, humility, self-control. <sighs> As you read that ristra of spiritual fruit, you might be thinking that the Holy Spirit has His work cut out for Him with you. You know what I mean? You know, angry, rude, negative you. You know, impatient, stumbled, selfish you. The Holy Spirit has His work cut out for Him with you. But don't worry. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit has the power to get it done. Wow. The Holy Spirit is, is kind of acts kind of like the rumble strips on the highway to keep us in the straight and narrow. You know what I'm saying? He does it. He has the power to do it. So that when you start veering towards that old lifestyle or veering towards the lusts of the flesh, all of a sudden you start feeling bum, 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 bum. The conviction of the Holy Spirit takes place because He's working at keeping us in the straight and narrow. A life of love, joy, peace, power. Right? It's awesome. The Holy Spirit is empowering us to say no to the wrong things and empowering us to start doing the right things. So here's what we should do. Don't hinder, grieve, or sorrow the Holy Spirit. We, we've talked about this. In fact, the Apostle Paul corrected his congregation like this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. He said, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's actually verse 30. Read it out loud with me. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You know, everyone has one of those crazy, embarrassing relatives. Maybe you're that one. But everyone has one of those crazy, embarrassing relatives. You know, the kind that end up on the police blotter or on the 10 o'clock news? The kind of relative whose Facebook posts make you blush, make you cringe, make you scream? Oh my gosh! You know, the kind of relative that makes you thank God that Howard Stern and Jerry Springer are in another state. Thank God! Because they would end up on his show. Paul was saying in the verse that we read, don't be the Holy Spirit's Crazy, embarrassing relative. Don't bring the Holy Spirit's sorrow by the way you live. Instead, listen to the Holy Spirit. Heed the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, be filled. Everybody said out loud. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until I come back for you, 
Jesus is saying, until I return, stay in church. And then he said, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's number three. I told you there were three things. Be a witness. Three things Jesus wants us to do until he returns. Number one, stay in church. Stay in fellowship. Draw close to the Lord. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, not a one-time experience, but a permanent condition. And then number three, be a witness. Be his early warning system to this world. Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would empower them to be witnesses, to be spokesmen, to be Paul Revere's in their particular generation. To be an early warning system alerting and relaying important information that saves lives. So you can imagine Jesus telling this group of you know, uneducated fishermen at that time, and us. He's saying, hey listen, I want you guys to be a witness. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to be my spokesman to inform people about the important, relay important information that will save their life. Well, when Jesus told them that, it was hard for the disciples to fathom that, you know, they could be Jesus' spokesmen. You see, they, weren't, they were not the best communicators and announcers. They were uneducated rednecks from Galilee. They had thick accents and trouble finishing their sentences. They seemed like unlikely candidates. But God does amazing things through unlikely candidates. Unlikely things. Consider the bumblebee. By all means, it is impossible for a bumblebee to fly. His body's too big and his wings are too small. But yet God designed him to do just that. It's not about the way you're built or the, you know, what your background is, or, or, or any of that. God has created us and has empowered us to do something that is beyond us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come upon them and make them witnesses to give them utterance. Give them utterance. And that's exactly what happened. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place in that upper room, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and each sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men from every nation. You've been listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. We're so glad that you're here today. Pastor Dion has been getting up close and personal with the foundations of the Christian faith. And what better place to start than in the beginning? That's right, all the way back in Genesis 1 verse 1, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You might wonder why that would matter to the faith, but it really is one of the foundations. Think of it this way. 
The one who has the power to create galaxies out of nothing has the power to move in your life and circumstances. When you know that it was God who made it all, you can know that it's still God who's in control of it all. No matter how out of control the world might feel, you have this foundation to stand on. God created the world. He created you. And He has plans for you that have been in place since before the world began. Now that's a firm foundation. Thanks for joining us here today. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. We're coming close to the end of our time here today, but if you don't want it to end, I have some great news for you. Are you ready? We've got more great messages stored up for you. Just head on over to tmcalvary.com to find them. At tmcalvary.com, you'll find a link to our YouTube archives with hundreds of messages from Pastor Dion. Okay, well, we've run out of time for today, but we'll be back again with more from Pastor Dion right here on The Simple Truth. See you then. Together we stand Together